woke up quick at about noon. What's good, baby? Welcome in to the latest edition of the podcast with Damian Barling here on the Be Heard podcast platform. We, I am so happy uh, that you've decided to download stream. I'm so happy that you've decided to listen. As normal, this is a Friday night. I've got my Terramana and... Uh, actually, Kamara Williams is going to join me here in just a few minutes. That wasn't the plan. Uh, we had gotten a great reaction to the Vote Like a Life Depends on It series that we had been doing. And I, we, you know, we knew the election would be eventful. Like We knew it would be newsworthy. I certainly didn't think it would still be going on. And as we're, uh, we're recording uh, right now, as everybody's aware, it's it's still going on. I imagine it's going to be going on probably for several more days. I feel like some of these states have been at like 95% recorded of their votes for four days. But, you know, that's just kind of where we are. And Kamara texted me last night. He was like, hey, let's let's do another one. And I think Kamara's got all his podcast equipment, so I think he's pretty hyped up and ready to try it and all of that stuff. I'm not positive, but I think uh, all of that stuff is coming for him. And he's, he's you know, we're kind of... Starting the process of maybe doing a podcast together. So, or actually, I take that back. We're in the process of putting together a podcast for him on the Be Heard platform. So, uh, that's where we are. Kamara's going to join us in a few minutes, but I wanted to get on here uh, and hang out with you here just uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, it, again, it's Friday night. This is probably going to be the theme of, you know, every, every podcast moving forward. I really like doing these podcasts because they're so, because it's important for Be Heard. Uh, because you guys are so awesome that you still listen, uh, despite the fact I'm on you know the radio every single day, you still tune into this podcast, even though the subject matter is a little bit different. But I really appreciate it. And I've just come to enjoy this. Like I, I, I do the radio show. This is what my Fridays are like. Fridays are actually really busy. I do the radio show, obviously do that till 2, try to handle any social media responsibilities. Things kind of wind down quite a bit uh, on Fridays if there's a show on Sunday. And that's really the, another awesome part about today is the 49ers played on Thursday. So I think I have my first weekend off since I took the ESPN job, you know, and, and, and that was in August. Like, so I think this is the first like full weekend I have off. I'll probably still hang out and do social media stuff. And, you know, like the 1320 is not going to completely disappear, but it's the first, like I won't have to do any radio shows, no pregame, no postgame. Cause we did all of that stuff yesterday and it was a blast doing you know, four and a half hours. And that's one of the, you know, frustrations with our show right now is we're only allowed to have two hours. And I'll explain that at a later date and time, but hopefully that's going to change here in the very, very near future. And we'll have a, a longer show, hopefully running from around 10 to two. Uh, but the, the, but, but Fridays I did, I do the show uh, 12 to two, do whatever social media stuff I have to do after that. And then I record the build black podcast for next Tuesday. Uh, we have to record those on Fridays just because of everybody's schedule. So I start those at 3.30, you know the drill, 4.30, walk the girls, come back, grab some Terramana, boom, sit down and record the podcast. And that's where we're at. I've got CNN playing in front of me for the umpteenth hour in a row. Uh, John Kelly is my new hero. I want to meet that guy more than I, I want to meet any professional athlete on the planet or any entertainer. I want to meet John Kelly and hang with out, out with him. He is a he's a rock star. And I did, and, and I think I mentioned this on the radio. I did try to listen to that. You know, I flipped over to Fox News because I'm curious. Like, I'm curious how they're covering it. This is such a unique election. What a, like a, what a weird, like, few days, like Tuesday. And, and, you know, John Kelly kept saying this over and over again. And I think Wolf Blitzer did too. They kept saying, you know, 
don't read too much into anything because votes are we we don't know yet how votes are being counted. And I think it was Ohio, maybe Ohio, and there was a there was another state that they reported. You know, they were trying to get all of their early ballots counted first, and so Biden had this big lead. And then they counted the election day votings and the league completely disappeared. And, tr- and it looked like it looked like Biden was going to get mollywopped on Tuesday night. And I, you know, about seven o'clock, I turned everything off like you got to fuck this. Like, I can't like this is some bullshit. Four more years of this. Like, OK, four more years of the stress of this psychotic president. And we've got to deal with four more years of, you know, racist white motherfuckers running around screaming Trump, Trump, Trump 2020 MAGA hats and all of this crap. All right. I'm going to watch Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And that's what I did. I watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air like, for like two hours, two and a half hours. And I turned it off, go back to CNN. And the tone is a little bit different. Like, okay, this is still crap. Like, this still sucks. But it seems to be a little bit different. But whatever. He's still losing. All of this stuff is happening. Man, this, this is trash. And then I went to bed and woke up. And man, when I woke up, things were different. I woke up and and of course I was up all night because you know elections normally end the first night. And and of course that's under a normal circumstance where most voting is done in person. There's you, you hear absentee balloting, you hear mail in voting. That's not that wasn't as much of a thing. It's like I always voted in person. This was the first time I've ever voted by mail. Now I remember getting my ballots before, but I never used them. I just I voted in person. And this was a this was a totally different Election with three different ways to vote. You could vote early, you could vote by mail, or you could vote the day of. And I know you guys have heard this a million times. Democrats urged everybody to vote early. Uh, Republicans, specifically Donald Trump, urged everybody or urged his fan base to or his cult or whatever. And you know that there's there's probably a topic that I'm going to hold off until Kamara's here because uh, my idea was to talk about sports related stuff. But I just want to give you my personal experiences. And I woke up like I was checking the phone all night expecting to see a declaration of a president. And obviously that wasn't the case. And I, I, I get up. It's like 4.50, you know, restless night sleep, open up the computer, go to CNN, go to and, you know, they're streaming the network on 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 their website and hit play. And I tuned in maybe 10 seconds before Michigan flipped blue. And it was like, oh, okay. Michigan with the W or it wasn't Michigan, not Michigan. I think it was Wisconsin, Michigan flipped blue later. Like, okay, like, all right, let's, let's, let's go. Let's see what we got here. And then, you know, the, the craziness that in in Nevada, I guess, decided to just take the day off. Nevada's like, Hey, if we ain't counting your money, we ain't worried about counting. So they, they just kind of chilled, which is crazy. It's amazingly like how slow Nevada and Arizona are. Like you're a fraction of the size of Pennsylvania and you can't get this. You can't get this done. Yo, man, what are you doing? But that's been what these last few days have been. So uh, again, Kamara Williams is going to join us here in just a few minutes. One sports related thing, you know, the 49ers obviously lost last night. I've talked that to death. Uh, they've, they've just lost. They've lost too much. Like I, I try not to say this on the radio because we're the 49er station. And there are a lot of 49er fans listening. My partner, Kenny Caraway, is a 49er fan. And I don't think it's the Terramana talking, man. This shit is over. 
Like this season is just lost. Like they can't. That I know Brandon Ayuk is really good. I know they got some really good skilled position players. But at the rate we're going, when these skilled position players get back, they're gonna get injured again, or or, or they're gonna get the virus, or something's gonna happen. Like something's gonna go wrong with with the 49ers. That's just not a week has gone by where something bad <laughs> hasn't happened to this team. Even in wins, you get Raheem Mostert out. You, you, you get uh, Tevin Coleman out. You get all of these different, you get all of these different players that are meaningful, impactful players out. I just think, man, I, at, at some point, and I think the some point hit last night, or it, 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 you know, depending on when you listen to this, sorry, it hit Thursday night. They can't, they can't handle all of these injuries. Like they can't come back from these injuries. There's no, it's kind of like let's play with some pride. Let's play with play some ball, Fred Warner just, you know, balling his heart out. Uh, and then let's just get to the end of the season because it's just not going anywhere with this group. And it's not a fault to their own. I think the 49ers are extremely talented. I've got, I think they've got an extremely talented roster. They've just lost too much. They've lost way too much this year. On a Kings-related note, Mark Jones was named uh, the play-by-play guy for the uh, Sacramento Kings, which is awesome. Hang on, I got it. Got, oh, I, my hope with this is y'all are having a drink too. I feel like one week we could do like a lot, like a podcast on Zoom, where we just all like grab our drinks and sit down and just talk sports or talk politics or talk race, talk, talk whatever the hell you guys want to. Music, movies, I don't care. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want to. We have a whole podcast platform. We can talk about whatever we want to. I think we should try to do that. Like if you guys are even remotely interested in that, just like have a big like Zoom call where we just talk, talk trash for an hour and call it a podcast. I, so I had gotten kind of tipped off to what was going on with the Sacramento Kings play by play spot. Uh, I actually got tipped off like over a month ago, two, two, two months ago and was aware of who the, I know who at, and I heard an added name and I don't want to say any of these names cause it's not fair to any of them because I don't believe any of them have talked about it. So I'm, it, it, it wouldn't be fair for me to say their names out loud. It, they're all, all three of them are really good names. Two of them. I'm positive. You know, one of them, some of you will, uh, and, and, and astute listeners to Delo and Casey, know who uh, one of the names is for sure. Um, and apparently there's another person being hired, I, or, or there's another person who's going to be doing the play-by-play. We know that Mark Jones, first, congratulations to Mark Jones. He's a phenomenal hire. Um, I I didn't, I honestly didn't think it would work out. With him kind of doing the Mark Breen gimmick where he's staying and uh, doing the ESPN stuff and continuing with his uh, college football commitments and, um, NBA commitments, I just thought, oh, I don't know that the Kings are, are really good. But I knew he was being interviewed, and I knew he was a a, a, a top target of theirs, and I, I heard he was the favorite for the job. I just, I never thought it was going to get worked out. And then last week, it was, I had been told, like, okay, this this th- th- there's progress. And then I got a text this morning, fired off a couple of things, and obviously the announcement is made, which is, which is awesome. I think Mark is, again, next to Mike Breen, the premier voice of of the NBA on ESPN. So I think he's a tremendous hire for the Sacramento Kings. He's a tremendous upgrade. And that's not just my personal feelings for the guy who used to have the job. Like, you know, I don't like the guy. Um, but 
Mark is better. I just don't know what to say to you. Like Mark is significantly better. It is a massive, massive, massive upgrade. And Kings games are going to be so much more enjoyable uh, with Mark Jones on the call. I don't know who the second person hired is. I got a text that raised the question of, you know, it, it was one of the finalists. It, it, it will, if it's this person, it'll definitely get people's attention. It makes sense. It works. I don't know that it is. I don't know who this second person is. Um, I had always hoped uh, Deuce would get a shot. I'm an unapologetic Deuce Mason fan. It's not just because I know him. It's not just because he's on the platform. It's not just because we we have a personal relationship, a working relationship. I think he's good. I think he's very good. And I think this business is extremely difficult to get into. And he got his way into it after losing a radio job. And he has worked his ass off. And he deserves an opportunity. And I think the fact that if the Sacramento Kings have a non-full-time role, like you've got a guy right here. You've got a huge name as your number one play-by-play guy. Deuce is, in every sense of the word, the perfect person uh, to be the the fill-in for the games that Mark Jones can't make. He's it, he's he's the perfect fill-in. He's a guy that the market knows. Uh, he's a guy who can just kind of cut his teeth getting used to an NBA schedule. He already has a job with the Kings. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I, I've, I haven't asked Deuce. I wouldn't put him in that position. When it's time to announce it, they'll announce it. Uh, but I think he's uh, phenomenal. I, I I hope he gets an opportunity. I wish he gets an opportunity. His opportunity 100% is coming, even if it's not with the Sacramento Kings organization, which would be a shame. Uh, but you can't hold talent down uh, too long. And Deuce is eventually, and, and, and Morgan will too. Like there's a role Morgan can fill right now uh, if they wanted her to. There are multiple roles Morgan can do, but I think the world of those two and uh, hopefully we see them on Sacramento Kings broadcast sooner rather than later. But I'm excited for Mark. I'm excited for Kings broadcast. We know that basketball is returning on December 22nd. Uh, everybody agreed to that. The NBA Players Association, the NBA, the Board of Governors. And it's 71 days between the final NBA Finals game and the start of the season. And that's just absolutely extraordinary. We've got the draft coming up a little over a week away. I imagine free agency is going to be around right after that. There are even maybe some rumors that will happen before then. Um, but it, I don't miss basketball yet, though. That's the only thing that I'm slightly concerned about. Like, I don't miss it yet. I'm sure I'll get excited when the draft gets here. I know I'll get really excited when free agency gets here. But I just, I don't, I don't miss it yet. But in, in the same sense, I know I wouldn't be happy on Christmas Day if there weren't uh, basketball games on in the background. So... Well, I would be happy, but you know what I mean? Like we like having basketball games on in the background. So that's kind of where we are in the uh, sports world. So I want to bring my man Kamara Williams in and we'll kind of break down this election again. Appreciate you so much for listening. As always, subscribe, rate, and review. I'm pretty sure all of you already do that. Share it on social media. Do all of that good stuff. But I really, really appreciate you continuing to support this podcast even after the radio show was started. I appreciate you continue to support the Be Heard platform. I know you guys are already listening to Deuce and Mo. I hope you get a chance to check out the Build Black podcast and Sean and Vaughn and Snack Time with Mac and Ash, which is a super fun podcast. Uh, I hope you get a chance to check that out. Watching the tape for more Kings Talk, of course, J Street Vibes, the dope ones, the whole lineup of podcasts we have. So let's bring in my man, Kamara Williams. Kamara, uh, been an interesting couple of days, brother. Um, What happened this week? <laughs> right <laughs> you know the, the better way the better way of putting it it's still happening like it's it's mm. not 
it's not done happening. It's still, it's still taking place. It's the longest Tuesday ever. Dude, election day, <laughs> uh, election day is no longer a day. It's like, it's a, it's a week long extravaganza. Oh God, man. Nevada's taking their sweet ass time, bro. Nevada's like, <laughs> Nevada's like, y'all go ahead. We'll catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. We'll let y'all know when when we arrive. This is you know? this is I'm a, I'm going to drop an inside line for me and Kamara. Kamara will get it and I apologize for everybody else who doesn't. Nevada is Io. That's what Nevada <laughs> is. Nevada. I'm on ne- my way. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Nevada Nevada right now is my man Io Taylor. Like he's perpetually late. To everything, and not like kind of late, not like a few no. minutes late, like, it's like hours, like it's cleaning like up hours. after the party late, like that's when he shows up. Shows He's up. that's that's what that's that's Nevada right now. Like Nevada is our is our man Io. It is it is amazing how consistently late he is. <laughs> <laughs> It's just amazing. <laughs> like, and again, to let people in, like, I was like, you have to tell him about it. Like, if you have a plan for dinner at like eight, like, you have to tell Io, and you got to get his wife, like, Shonda, in on it. And you got to say S- about 6 30. 6 30. Yeah. Yeah. And because he'll, and if, if you tell him 6 30 and the dinner's at eight, He'll roll up around eight forty-five. Probably, yeah. <laughs> he'll still run. You know, he'll roll yeah. up right, right when we just got seated. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, pivoting back to like this this election, man. Jesus, I don't even know where do we start. Like, it's just I don't. Where let's, do you want to start with it? Let's. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess there's a lot of different directions to go. Nothing has been called yet. Um, we're re- everybody knows we're recording this on a Friday night. It's posting on Friday. Nothing, nothing has been called. It doesn't appear anything is going to get called uh, anytime soon. Um, this election is different, and I think that's one of the most important things to point out. As I was just kind of talking about in the intro to this show, is it's really the first time. There's always been mail-in ballots. So there's always been absentee ballots, but there's there's never been the you know the combination of mail-in ballots, absentee ballots, uh, 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 election day voting, and a global pandemic. Like, this is all happening at the same time. So you had a huge influx of people voting in many, many different ways. Like, we already know. Let's let's bring in the context of some of our past podcasts. You said that Joe Biden to win would have to be at 70 million podcasts. Like, you had a trajectory that you laid out. Yeah, 70 million votes, yeah. Yeah, 70 million votes. Like, you had a trajectory of... um, how the election, how the number of participants have grown. I think you even went back to, you know, Obama's first term or you went even before Obama's first term and you went up. Donald Trump is at 70 and he's losing by 4 million. Like we knew there would be a a large turnout for this election. I don't think we knew there would be this large of a turnout for this election. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I'm going to take some L's because I'm going to, I'm gonna say later on the program, I'm gonna take my roses as well. So right now I'm gonna take some L's. Okay. Um, so my L that I'm taking is that I did not think Donald Trump grew his base the way he did. Yeah, okay. I, didn't think he grew. I thought he would grow based on people aging into the voting populace, but he grew his base by 7 million essentially and counting. So- so maybe, I didn't think 
I didn't think it would be that high. I didn't think he would, I didn't think he would touch 70 million. Why do you think that happened? It's, the country's incredibly polarized. It, I guess it really goes into, it really depends on which type of voter you're talking about. His base didn't really dissipate, right? It, not um, at all. It didn't really dissipate. And then you had people who, for a multitude of different reasons, looked at the two options and said, you know, I, I don't trust Donald. I don't like Donald, but I don't trust Democrats to do right by me. Mm -hmm. And I think those, we had an amalgamation of those people voting. I've even heard one person said, and this is all anecdotal, this is one person said, yeah, you don't change presidents in the middle of a pandemic, whatever the fuck that means. I've never, I don't know. What's the, what's the precedent for that? Like, yeah. What? I was like, I was like, what are we going back to what? 1930? Like, 1920? Yeah, what are we like, what talking are you, about? What are you even, what are you even saying? But this is, that was, I mean, it, people were coming up with their own conclusions mm -hmm. about why they were choosing or according themselves to vote for him. And, um, I just, I, so the L I take is that <clears throat> if you would have told me, Last Friday, he was going to get 70 million votes. I'd be like, Jesus, that's yeah. uh, that's a lot, right? Um, or no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I Because Bush, in, 19, in 2000, he had 50 million votes. And then in 2004, he raised his profile 11 and a half million votes. Mm -hmm. And I did the extrapolation. I said, even if <coughs> Trump did the jump of the Bush number of 10 yeah. and a half million, um, which I didn't see it happening, I said Biden would probably still have, would his number would probably go up like 16 million. Mm -hmm. Right? Over Hillary's, right. Yeah. Um, because I saw Biden's base growing a lot more than Trump's base, um, based off of the sheer unpopularity of who he was. Mm -hmm. So that's where I took the L. I looked at his unpopularity and I didn't see it, see him, you know, his, I didn't, I didn't really account for the appeal still. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I think it's shocking to a lot of Americans. We're like, wow, 70 million people yeah. still and counting. And yeah. counting still yeah. voted for him. They saw they they literally looked at him and said, I could do another four years of this. Yeah. And 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 that's the, you know, there's gonna be so much when this is over. And like Joe Biden is gonna win this election. I mean, everything is pointing to him winning to this. He hasn't been declared yet. He the the you know, the 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 way the the way the the, the votes were counted added just incredible drama. To this whole thing because at seven o'clock on Tuesday, I was I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, we're this is really happening. Not only is he gonna win, he's gonna win, he's gonna, he's gonna win with like Obama numbers, he's gonna win with like Obama McCain numbers. And you're talking about when you're talking about Trump, what's gonna I'm win? talking about Donald Trump. Yeah, I'm talking about yeah. seven o'clock. 
I'm talking about seven, seven o'clock, seven o'clock Pacific time. Standard Time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So ten o'clock but, my time. Yeah, yes. I thought like you've <laughs> got to be kidding me. Like this, this is this is seriously happening. But you know, it's the you know the the, the difference in the way that the votes were counted and tabulated, and in whether you did election day votes first or you did uh, early votes, mail-in votes, however you did it, it just resulted, it just created an absolutely incredible amount of drama uh, leading into this. And it's still so baffling. Like you say 70 million and it's not, you know, you often hear the line, America, we're better than this. And no, America does it. Like, what does that 70 million mean? It's like, that's the thing. I, so I don't even think we can even, it's funny because after this election, we can start, we can have that conversation, mm-hmm. but it's like, we can't even get to that part of the conversation yet to have that real full-throated conversation. Like, okay, now we can decompress. It, he's president-elect Biden. Trump has seated, um, has uh, seated the election. Well, that's you not going to happen, but I, I, I know, get your but point. Saying, I, I get like, your point. Yeah, yeah. What, what, you know, it's, it's um, we can finally have the uh, go into the other chapter. Sure. Like, what does this all mean? But I think we're still in the moment of it's still like we're in this position of, okay, I guess we're just waiting, you know, like waiting yeah. for the, the confirmation, mm-hmm. but there has to be a conversation of like, where do those 70 million people go? Yeah. Like, where did they go? And not in a way of like, where do they go? physically, but like America's gonna have to deal with the fact that 70 million people are extremely polarized and they like this brand of politics and they don't believe in the system. Like there are literally people with guns going up to registrar's office and putting pressure on those poor poll workers yeah to count votes and it's just like what kind of banana republic are we living in right and, but there's a lot of people who like yeah that sounds about right that's what that's what we need to do we need to we need to put pressure on them vote counters which is wild to me and you know it's and that and that's the thing like i i i've i've said this for a long time i probably said it to you like paul you don't know what you don't know like if you run for president and you lose there's really no shame in that because you, you don't know what you don't know. But when you're a one-term president, that's humiliating. So to put this in context, and I understand, Kamar, this isn't like an apples-to-apples comparison. George H.W. Bush got 39,000 votes when he lost to Bill Clinton in when he was running for re-election. 39 million? 39 million, sorry, sorry. 39 million. He got 39 million votes when he lost to uh, Bill Clinton in his bid for re-election. And obviously there was... Ross Perot, who pulled in a lot of votes and all, and all of that different thing. But you have a guy who ran for re-election. He's going to lose probably between by, by between four and five million in the popular vote. And I, everything tells me, tell me if you think I'm wrong. He's going to lose. Like Joe Biden's going to get 306 electoral college votes. He's going to beat Donald Trump. Joe Biden's going to beat Donald Trump by more than Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton in the 2012 election. At the very least, he'll get 290. At the very, uh, yeah, at the very least, he gets 290. And 
at the vote at the most he'll get 306 or something yeah like that, so are you right? taking georgia out of the equation if he doesn't get if he doesn't get georgia Arizona. if i'm taking Arizona, oh, okay. At the, okay okay at the very least you know let's just say that he at the very least 290 i i i'm fascinated by the fact that even with that being said his election is certified like what are we even talking about now right mm-hmm because the numbers don't don't weigh out. The numbers don't, and yet here we have people who are saying the system is rigged. The voting system doesn't is rigged. And if people remember, two thousand sixteen, he said, "If I don't win, it's because the system is rigged." Mm-hmm. That's what he said, and he he pretty much he 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 called it out in two thousand sixteen. Now he ended up winning, and it wasn't a problem. But here's the fascinating thing about it, Damien, and I want to say this point before I forget. He won the presidency essentially by 76,400 votes. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about by, uh, Trump in 2016. Mm-hmm. He won it by 76,400 votes over three states. Did you ever hear him say, hey, those are really close numbers. We need a, over three states. Right. We, need, a, we yeah. need to count these votes to make sure. Of course not. Of course not. He wasn't talking about how close these votes are. Now, but he touts how big of an electoral uh, lead he had over Hillary. Mm-hmm. But yeah. by the skin of his teeth, he, he beat her. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden's not even beating him in a popular vote, but also in the electoral vote. And yet here he is saying this election's a fraud. And if these numbers, you know, hold and and, and I don't know what network people watch, but, you know, John Kelly keeps saying, you know, the pattern is these numbers are going to grow like we saw a near million point lead in Pennsylvania disappear. And at this moment it's a 21,000 vote advantage. Uh, yeah. for 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 Joe Biden, Biden. so it's, it's, it's like yeah and it's, it's like a, it's, it's an extraordinary turnaround so he'll he'll wind up winning by an, a, a narrow margin he'll he, he may wind up winning by a hundred thousand two hundred thousand votes in total uh, as it pertains to these electoral college states and that doesn't even factor in I guess Wisconsin and Michigan and some of those other states but I still feel like even with Joe Biden who in almost all certainty is going to become the 46th president of the United States. This election has given me the feeling that, and I want your opinion on this, Donald Trump, and this is a statement on my part, not a question that I want you to react to. Donald Trump, as of November 6, 2020, is the single most influential politician of our lifetime. I, I, would, I would agree with that. Okay. Which is fucking absurd. Like, think about what I just said to you. That yeah. is absolutely absurd. He the the guy the, who hosted yeah. The Apprentice and was booted off of NBC, the the multi time failed you know uh, uh, casino owner, the WWF Hall of Famer, Donald Trump, is the single most influential politician of our lifetime. He changed the presidency. He changed politics. He changed politics. He changed politics. And, you know, that for, for, for worse, I can't even say for better, right? 
because well of course not yeah there's not I, yeah i'm trying to think i'm trying to be generous like what did he change for the better and there's nothing he changed for the better you know in fact what he did was he exposed the level of hypocrisy within the political system and in the presidency and how much it protects because we've always talked about how the presidency protects but he's done so much things in his four years that we've lost track lost count lost yeah. interest right lost memory yeah controversy fatigue i believe was the term that you used in our first controversy uh, fatigue and yeah. it got to a place to where it's like oh y'all still on that yeah that was mm -hmm. six months ago right. we, you know what i'm saying like no yeah. we've moved on yeah like it, this man was impeached yeah right you know, enough, this year he was impeached this year he was impeached he was well in november yeah impeached a year or, ago to, okay a year ago yeah. it's 2020 is even the longest decade. Yeah, did you, yeah, yeah, I, thought, I thought it was in 2020. All right. Yeah, uh, fine. So it's all right. It's, it's a decade of 2020. So um, just like this has been the longest Tuesday. Ever, <laughs> right. So, yep. so it's on um, brand. But um, a year ago, we're getting, it's November. He was impeached in like December, in December 2019. And guess what he was impeached for? Bribing a a you a a a foreign government foreign, yeah. for against a U.S. adversary, which was Joe Biden, to mm -hmm. get information on Joe. That was so egregious, and yet, and not only that, he obstructed justice. He's been, he obstructed justice in doing it, and yet that is not even the, the thing that's going to be going to be in his epitaph when it's all said done because he's done so much things. Yeah. That is the most. That is how obnoxious and absurd it is. This impeached president legacy, and that's going to be a footnote on what he's brought to politics. Yeah. There's one and other so, thing because you did you you're 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 right. In the grand scheme of this, you deserve your roses, and I want to make sure I say this out loud so we don't forget. We got to talk about Stacey Abrams, and we got to talk about Georgia, yeah. but. You said you were taking L's, and we want to get all your L's out of the way. I don't even want to get all your L's out of the way. I want to get one particular L out of the way because I can tell you in my head, I uttered the phrase fucking Kamara at least three times. <laughs> you sound like my wife, but go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> the Senate. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, well, it's now, now it's still because of, and please tell me if I'm understanding. Runoff. Okay. So it's still possible because of the Georgia. Are there two Georgia yeah. runoffs? There are two Georgia run runoffs, yeah. And that can It can shift. give us 51. Okay. And then with Kamala Harris being a vice president, she'd be the 52 and she'd be the breaking vote. Okay. So it's, in very, it's incredibly important um, what's going to happen in, G in January. In yeah. That is, and as soon as we get past this, I can tell you, having spoken with somebody high up in a Biden campaign, I've mm -hmm. spent a long time with them. If we ever get to that part of the conversation, I can tell you, like this is where the, the tenor of that campaign, uh, the organization is. But they know the importance of January. Yeah. And they have a shit ton of money. Okay. 
and they're about to they, the Republicans got are got to pour, put more money than God. I, this exact quote he said to me, because I said, "Oh, she, I was like, oh man, that that runoff is gonna be wild," because you know, um, Republicans are gonna put more money than God into that race. Mm-hmm. And he said, and he tilted his head. He looked at me and he said, "Kamara, you know how much money we have from the campaign?" Hmm. I said, "No." He said, they can let them try to put, let them try to outspend us. It's not, they can't outspend us. We have so Biden literally has so much money. He's going to put all that money into that Senate campaign. They won't be able to outspend us. So if they have more money than God, his quote, we have, we have more money than entire existence. Mm. That was like, he said, we have so much money that is going into this going to the Senate Senate campaign, it's not going to be a money issue. It's going to be a turnout issue. So don't worry about that. But you're right. Fucking Kamara. (laughs) I didn't really, no, I... Uh, That's why I'm going to name this podcast. (laughs) You should name it. You should name it that. I was going to say, you should name fucking Kamara. So listen, um, I, I looked at this, we needed four seats. And just based off the polling and just based off the tenor and it's like people decided, you know what they were, they said, you know what? It's like an old rust. It's like an old sock or my old pair of jeans. I bought these new pair of jeans. I like the way they look. I think I might be look good in them, but man, these things fit well. Mm-hmm. And they're not even the best looking on me, but they're just something I know. And a lot of people wore those same jeans, even though they look a little dingy. They're not really probably in the best condition. And you're probably too, you could, you literally can upgrade. You have an option of upgrading. And people decided not to upgrade. And it's hard to attest to why people decided to do what they did. Democrats picked up seats in the Senate, but they lost a lot of House seats. Now, I have my I have my opinions on that. Um, a lot of that was due to bad uh, management on the House victory, because the Senate victory and the House victory have different um, strategists. But House victory really blew the bag on this, and some of it too comes down to candidates. I don't know if Charles Booker in Kentucky was going to beat. Mitch McConnell, but I damn sure knew Amy McGrath did not have the base that yeah. Charles Booker had. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the Kentucky race, Senate race. Yeah. race. It was going to be hard to beat a, a senior majority leader in a Southern state. It was going to be hard to beat it. And you needed a dynamic candidate and Amy McGrath was not that candidate. Um, and she had no appeal, but Chuck Schumer, they they poured money into that race and they backed her before Charles Charles um, Booker actually got into that race in a primary and damn near walked her down. I, th- I honestly believe he had, if he had another two or three weeks, he'd have, he would have walked her down in that primary. Mm. Um, so you had that. Jamie Harrison in South Carolina, I think that shocked me as well. 
I was like, okay, even if St. Jamie loses, it's going to be close. But he, it wasn't even close. Yeah. It wasn't even close the way Lindsey Graham beat him. Yeah. And it was over always going to be 200,000 votes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and it was going to be close. I mean, it was going to be, um, it was going to be tough. But I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be over that t- a two point, a two point uh, swing mm-hmm. on him. You know, yeah. Um, and so that I think that was a, I think that was something that I didn't in, anticipate with those with uh, uh, Lindsey Graham. I didn't anticipate Iowa. You know, um, Joni Ertz. I, I thought that, you know, <clears throat> uh, the Greenfield. Uh, yeah, Greenfield. Green, yeah. Greenfield. Lost I thought by she six points. Yeah. I, that was un- incredible to me because in October, I mean, excuse me, in, in September, she was leading by five points. And then Johnny Ertz had that terrible debate where she couldn't even name the price of soybeans. Mm. And she grew mm-hmm. up on a farm. Mm-hmm. And voters are like, that's cool. We'll go ahead and overwhelmingly support her. So, I think a lot of that too was President Trump pulled up a lot of voters. He pulled up a lot of voters. And that goes to, I think that goes, that goes back to our line of the most influential politician of our lifetime. I mean, a lot has been made today about, um, I don't know the names, man, forgive me, but uh, the flip in, in uh, Arizona Mm -hmm. and how he essentially humiliated the woman who was running for that seat at one of his yeah. recent campaign rallies saying, now oh, no one wants to hear from you, but come on up here. I'll give you 60 seconds to talk and you can, you know, you can say whatever McSally, I think is her name. Yeah. Mar- against, yeah. Um, Martha McSally. Yeah. 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 And so it, it's, it's again, in influence in both directions in this sense. Right. And that he right. influenced, you know, those Senate seats uh, for the Republicans and perhaps in this case, he influenced uh, the Senate seat to go to the Democrat. Yeah, you know, and you know, you look at what happened with these Senate races and Trump, and we said his base is not going anywhere, and that's what really makes him really dangerous. Because after this is all said and done, the Republican Party is going to try to get their party back, but. Number one, is Trump going to release them from it? Mm-hmm. And number two, do those people want to go back? See, that's and, and and I feel like that's one of the most interesting questions because you know there's so much talk about you know Donald Trump is doing his you know social media stuff, his Twitter stuff about fraud and votes and stealing and all of this. None of that is going to be substantiated. Like Donald Trump can scream it from the rooftops. Like none of it matters. Yeah. Like and, right. and it's not. You know, people have said, well, what if he doesn't leave? And and I know uh, the Biden camp or someone within the campaign said this a long time ago. It's not the motherfucker can't just stay there like <laughs> like it, they can remove him if they have to. Like it is that it, it's pretty much that simple. But he is obviously influential. He and maybe we should spend a few minutes because I, I don't want this show to end without us talking about Stacey Abrams in Georgia. But. I do think we need to sp- need to spend a few minutes as to why 
why does Donald Trump resonate with so many people? And I honestly believe the answer is pretty simple. I have an answer. What do you, what's your answer? Cause I, I'm going to hear what your answer is. People believe in what his core values are. And I use that term incredibly fucking loosely in that this is a country. It's not, this is a country that was built on racism and prejudice. And I don't believe that is exclusively Donald Trump's base because we talked about this in previous episodes. This was our first episode. It was when the ice cube saga broke in 18. Well, I I think we're at 18%, which was, I believe the number that you said was going to happen. You said it was going to be between 18 to 20. One of my roses, 18 to 20% (laughs) of black men voted for Donald Trump. And a lot of that is because they think the same, the way, the same way that he does about other races. (laughs) Like they think the same way that he does about other people. And they think the same way that he does about the economy and the same way that he does about immigrants stealing our job. And that whole thing, like that resonates with a lot of black men as well. Protectionism. Or not so, a lot. That, that's a, yeah. that's a 20% uh, isn't a lot, but it is but, a jarring number given what Donald Trump is associated with. Well, there's a protectionism within that, right? A lot of people voted for self-preservation and I honestly think from an an amalgamation of the conversations I've heard with people who support him, they might say, hey, listen, I don't like what he says. I don't even like how he says it. But one thing I do appreciate is that he's talking to me, not at me. And some Democrats, and they feel like sometimes Democrats, they talk at me. They don't mm. talk to me. And this is a very key point because it's, it's gonna it's gonna bleed into Stacey Abrams, right? Democrats have this thing, and I can tell you, especially here in Florida, um, it's very the name elitist is earned, and both parties have elitist, but they're elitist for different reasons. Right, I'm giving you something. What happens here in Florida, uh, Andrew Gillum? Because I think this really this is a really important. Andrew Gillum in 2018, when he ran in a primary, we have 67 counties here in Florida. He ran what they call a 67 county primary. At the time, he was polling fourth. In, in the polls. And he was even he was not even considered a long shot. He was considered a no shot. But he ran but he ran a 67 county campaign. And I'm talking about in the most backwoods of county places, places that you don't Democrats, especially a black man, need to be in. But he said, hey, I'm gonna go there. And I don't care if it's 20 people who are going to come to this gymnasium and hear me speak. I'm gonna go there. He called it a 67 county listening tour, right? When he was doing that, I said, he's gonna win the primary. People thought I was crazy. I said, no. I said, he's going to places they will not, these candidates won't go. He's going to places talking to people who don't often get spoken to. That is what's, and that is what the key to politics is, speaking to people that are often not spoken to, rural voters. And sometimes these voters are even Democrats 
and they just vote Republican because their friends are all Republican. And they're like, you know what? Nobody comes out here. But when you talk, when you meet somebody and you shake their hand and you look them in the eye, more often than not, you can find some commonality within them. And so Andrew did that. And then he won the primary. And then as soon as, it, as he won the primary, the Democratic Party literally came swooping in. They came, literally, they brought their advisors in and they said, yeah, okay, he's a, he's a candidate. Before, by the way, best story I have, when Andrew used to come in, he, had, he was so disconnected from the Democratic Party that um, when he won, there was only a few people who were actually like that he would, he would actually communicate with. So when he won, I got a call on that Wednesday. I was dining, I was having lunch with some friends. I kept getting this 202 number, Washington DC number. I'm like, who the hell keeps calling me in Washington DC? I answered the phone. I'm like, hello, it was back to back calls. I said, hello? I said, yes, this is Eric Holder's office. Said, okay, what can I do for you? Yeah, um, we were told that you have a connection with the Andrew Gillum campaign and we're, we don't have any way to get in contact with them. So we're trying to get in contact with Andrew Gillum. He, he just got, was just nominated as the, <laughs> as the nominee for the Florida Democratic Party for governor. That's how off the grid he was and that's how much the Democratic Party was not fucking with him. He, did, he was not part of the, their apparatus. They couldn't even get in touch with him. Wow. But as soon as he won, they all of a sudden involved themselves in the campaign. And then what happened was, great story. I remember I called and Andrew used to always come to Orlando. I was, never had a problem getting in touch with him or his campaign. So he won and then I got a call from somebody it's called Brevard County. It's a county that's not like the Orange Orlando County, Orange or like Miami Dade or Broward. You know, it has some rural areas in it, right? Someone said, "Hey, listen, hey, Kamara, I'm really excited about Andrew Gillum. I heard you're connected to the campaign. Do you think you can get him to come out here, and I can get like 200 people, maybe even a thousand, to come out and to see him? We just want to see him." These are like primarily like white voters, mm -hmm. right? Do, and, and maybe we can scuffle up maybe 12,000. I probably can get you 20, but maybe $12,000. But it's really just, I want 200. I can get to guarantee 200 people, maybe a thousand. I just want people to see him though, because we're really fascinated with him. I said, that's great. Andrew definitely would do that. Let me call his campaign. Let me call his campaign. I call his campaign and I say, hey, listen, Brevard County, they ready for Andrew out there, man. They ready. They, they said, can you bring him down? Um, and, and they said, can you bring him down because they want to speak to him? These are his people. This is, this is what you want, right? You want people who are not used to seeing politicians come into their area because they, they're dying to see him. Mm -hmm. He's really with a dynamic, uh, um, he, he has a charisma, right? They said, okay, Kamara, um, we'll call you back. They call me back like a couple hours later. I'm like, that was weird. 
what do you mean call me back? I just told you I got an event set up, set the damn thing up. What do you mean you need to call me back? But whatever, I'm dealing with some new people who are running his campaign. I don't know who these people are. They must not know who I am. It's fine. They probably need to run it through the channels. I get a call back. They said, hey, listen, um, love that you're excited that you want to bring Andrew, Andrew to Brevard County, but he's a national candidate and we can't really do fundraiser for no twelve dollars to $20,000. We can though, we can't, if they can get that number up to $100,000 to $150,000, we can send him out there. If you can't do it and we can get up to, up to 50, we possibly can get his wife to get on, be on the phone, <laughs> to be on the phone, you know, while wow. I said, so you want me to gather 300 people, 200 people, 1,000 people, and put my iPhone up there so his wife can talk about how great he is? Is that what mm. you want me to do? Wow. There's a democratic disconnect. Yeah. Right? They don't talk to the same voters. Right. Stacey Abrams did in Georgia. She understood when she made it map, mapped out a plan in 2014, she said, I'm going to connect with the voters that the Democratic Party thinks are not reachable. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to register a million voters in this state. And there's a, there's a roadmap to victory in the state. And then she came damn near close. She got 800,000 voters. Well, she probably hit that number because you've registered 800,000 since 2018. What you're seeing was a plan by Stacey Abrams to not only see the potential of registering voters, but understanding that there are voters out there who are dying to be engaged with, but nobody comes and talks to them because all people do is talk at them. So when you say about like what Donald Trump and how he appeals to certain voters, it's because he's for the first time in a long time for a lot of those voters, he's the first person to ever spoken with them, spoken to them, spoken, uh, spoken to them and not at them. And I think there's an incredible distinction that people have to make with that. I know that was a long form. No, it, it, but it's, but it's a, but it's a phenomenal, like in, in, in with, with full, because that explanation needed full context and it's phenomenal to think about, but also in the sense of, you know, it's one thing for Andrew Gilliam or Stacey Abrams. You know, it's 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 one thing to 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 think about them in that sense because you think, well, this is this is a person who's a politician. This is a person right. who is perhaps they're trying to do good, or maybe in Andrew's case, he wasn't even a politician yet. He was trying to do better. Well, he, right? was, a, he was a politician. He was a politician. But I mean, not in the man. sense of the way we think about politicians. Donald, okay. Donald can't relate. Like you know. Donald, in his truest form, in his truest sense, he can't relate to those people that he's talking to. And the thing that's actually pissing me off right now is the fact that I believe you're 100% right. And I'm agitated at the fact that how the fuck did you fall for this? How did people fall for this? How did those rarely spoken to people, which you were just referring to, and I believe your explanation is 1000% accurate, but he and this is the 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 line that you walk here because politicians in general i think are manipulators yeah 
But Donald is the ultimate manipulator. Yeah. He was manipulating for himself. A lot of politicians may manipulate for the party. A lot of politicians may manipulate for their agenda. Donald is manipulating for himself. President of the United States is a line on his fictitious resume. Like, that's how he goes down in history. That's his concern. His concern isn't about making America great. His concern isn't about doing things better. His concern isn't about anything. His concern is, I am Donald Trump, and I am going down as one of, at this moment, 45, soon to be 46 people who have been president of the United States. And that's it. Well, you know, the key thing you're missing about Donald Trump is that he's a con artist. He's not just a manipulator. He's a con artist. Because you could be manipulative, but you're not a con artist. John Donald is a con artist. Mm -hmm. Con artists understand how to appeal to your best instincts and get you to trust in them in places that you shouldn't even trust. They'll say, they'll elicit a, a level of trust because they recognize what makes you tick. And I've always said this, one of the best political attributes about Donald is that he understands how people tick. He can see something and be like, That's, that works on them or that works on this. And that's a skill in of itself. It's not, it's, it's probably a devious skill, but it's a skill. Mm-hmm. Hillary doesn't have that skill. Yeah. Hillary, Hillary cannot recognize what makes people tick. Right. You know, and I know that I do. I think she thinks about it like that. She doesn't think about people like that. Donald is obsessed with people. He's obsessed with people because he's obsessed in how people view him. Right. Okay. There you go. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. he's, when you're obsessed with how people view you, you're going to think about how, how people are thinking all the time. And which is why he's always watching television because he's not, he's, he's not focused on anything else, but what are they saying about me? Why are they saying that about me? What is it, what are they, what is it about me that they don't like? What is it about me that they do like? You know, and I, I, I think it's important to show that yes, 70 million people in America were conned into believing that this New York City prep school, you know, uh, um, white born collar, on third base, yeah, born on third and three, was not even third, was at three and a half, <laughs> right, right, um, had this blue collar appeal. This man, that man's hands are probably softer than, you know, a baby's newborn's bottom. Mm-hmm. Like, that man hasn't picked up a hard, uh, worked a hard day's, uh, hasn't worked a hard day's uh, working job in his life. Right. And yet he, he appeals to a basis level because he talks like, and he talks like somebody who is a plumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you always heard. He talks like he's a, he's a blue collar guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he, that's because he's, he's um, lower educated. That's why he's not, he's not as, I mean, he's highly educated, but he's, you know, but he's, he's not smart. Someone. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's not smart. He's intelligent, but he's not smart. There's a distortion within it, right? Intelligent, he's people, 
he's intelligent in that he understands people, but he is not um he's not smart in that he's book smart. Yeah. You know, and that I think that's that's the key distortion there. Let's give you some more roses before we uh before we wrap up this this episode. And you know, we didn't intend to do this episode. We may wind up doing a couple of more before this whole thing is actually over with. Yeah. Um I asked you uh I think in the second episode if this was going to come down to Florida as it did back in 2000, you said no. It's going to come down to Pennsylvania. Here we are at the time of recording with Joe Biden Joe Biden sitting at 253 electoral votes, 20 that you get from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania ends it at 273. So this very much does come down to Pennsylvania, as you uh, as you said. But more impressingly, when I asked you that same question, you said, no, Florida, it's, it's probably going red. Florida's probably going to be red. But watch him get Georgia. Watch him get Georgia. And that was one of the joys of this morning. And it's a very narrow margin, margin here at this point. Uh, growing. Was, was was waking up this morning and watching yeah. Georgia turn blue uh, after a night of him being down, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of votes and then just coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back. Uh, we're checking the, you know, the county that Atlanta's in, coming back, coming back, coming back. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the night, at least out here on the West Coast, uh, Georgia flips blue and he's about 4,000. And I think they're done counting at the time of this recording for the night. Um, he's at 4,000 with, I think, 99%. They've already said they're going to do a recount. There's there's all sorts of different things that are going to go into all of this. But you called that from the beginning, my man. You said Georgia was going to to Joe Biden. Do you want to know why I thought Georgia? Or do you, should I just leave it at that? No, I'd very much like to know why. Because <laughs> at, at, at this time yesterday, <laughs> at this time yesterday, it did, not, it did not look like, even as that lead was dwindling down, it's like it's not going to dwindle down that much is it i don't care how much confidence john kelly projects it didn't look like it, it didn't i didn't feel like it was going to dwindle down but that that much but yet uh, here we are so and 1992 by the way was the last time a democrat won uh the state of georgia bill clinton right all right so i look at it for it i tend to do these long explanations about everything podcast um, baby long form yeah long form conversation so <clears throat> when you look at a state like Georgia, I tend to first look at the populace in that state. And what is the genetic, what is the, the not the genetic makeup, but what is the, um, the makeup of the state regarding the, pop, the populace there? And then you look at past to what's happening. I don't, I'm not talking about past past, I'm talking about this recent history. Mm -hmm. And then I started looking at activity and the lack of activity here in Florida and the, and the activity in Georgia. Stacey Abrams in 2018 lost the governor's race by 55,000 votes. Now there's a lot of controversy on how that loss happened, right? Brian Kemp, who was the, it should, he shouldn't even have been able to do this, but he was the uh, supervisor elections, and he erased over 347,000 eligible voters from the roll. <clears throat> and then, you know, magically, I think there was like 53,000 thrown away ballots during that, you know, gov uh, gubernatorial race. Right. Which, 
and she lost by 55,000. So it was a lot of like machinations. And those are the 53,000 we know about. It was just a lot of things. It was really like, okay, he, he stole that race. Cause I think they stopped counting at one point. And it was just a lot of weird stuff. And I looked at that stuff and then I saw Stacey Abrams come out and say, I'm going to register a million voters <clears throat> by the time 2020. And I said to myself, okay, black people are going to be pissed because they feel like that shit was stolen from them. Mm -hmm. And what, what white America does not recognize about black Americans, they, they think they understand us, but they don't. When, when shit is easy for us, we tend to be like, uh, we tend to take our eye off the ball. But when you put, when you press our flesh on something, we respond. It's in our DNA. We respond. And when Brian Kemp stole that election in 2018, black people with a collective nod and you felt the, the Wakanda spirit and Stacey Abrams felt it was palatable. She wrote that and she mobilized and along with other people. It wasn't just her, but she's the top figurehead, right? And she mobilized and she, um, you know, with other organizations put funding into registered people to vote. And I said, I looked at that and I said, Georgia's going to go blue because they've done the work to get people and can not only to stay engaged, but to, but to be engaged. And then mm -hmm. what the final nail in the coffin, why I thought Georgia was going to go blue, because in the primary, one million more people voted in the Democratic primary than Republicans. True enough now, true enough, the Republicans didn't have anybody on the ticket for them to drive out primary voters. But even in that sense, you know, they actually still did not come out to the same veracity as Democratic voters. And you look at those things and you start tying them up and you say, there's something happening in Georgia that you can't, you gotta pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And within that same token, I didn't see that same thing happening in Florida. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I said, so I said, if I'm comparing the two, Georgia's going blue and Florida is staying red. Yeah because it's not the same. And to that point, because I'm all, I'm tying it back in, in Florida, we, we won Miami-Dade, we won Broward, we won Orange County, Pinellas, Hillsborough, Alachua County, Duval County, Seminole County. We won all the big counties in Florida. That's technically the DNA of winning Florida. But what they, didn't win with those pockets. They didn't win the pockets. And those pockets accumulated into big votes for Donald. And remember I said, what got, what got Andrew the win in 2018 in a primary was his ability to do a 67 county, you know, platform race yeah. strategy. Yeah. When Democrats didn't do a 67 county, they focused on like on like 10 counties. 
And they, they say, oh, those other counties, they don't matter. You do a top-down analysis on how to generate voters and interest and engagement, it can come back to bite you. And I saw it. I said, they don't have, there's no leadership in this state and they don't have no strategy. And they're doing a top-down analysis on how to engage voters. That's not smart. Where Stacey Abrams was doing a bottom-up analysis on how to engage voters, talk to people that are not necessarily talked, spoken to, get them continually engaged in a process and get them to look forward and mark on their calendar November 3rd. Mm. And that is why I chose Florida to go red and Georgia to go blue. I know that was a long explanation. But- no, it was perfect because as you were talking about it, it made me realize the first podcast that we did together was right after that gubernatorial election when we were yeah. talking about the election being stolen from Stacey Abrams. Like, I, cause I remember the, the title sticking out in my head. I called it like an opportunity stolen. I got, I got a, I, I know it's on the, the, the be conscious feed. I got to bring that back so everybody can hear it on the podcast. Um, but as, as you were describing that, I, re, I remember some of these, these previous conversations. No, it, it, it all ties in and it all makes, it all makes uh, perfect sense. And you, like you, you called it, that was part of our, our, our podcast uh, series. Uh, you said, you know, Georgia was going to switch. You said it was going to come down to, uh, you said it was going to come down to Pennsylvania and here we are. Um, when do you think we'll, do you think we'll know a winner anytime soon? Like, I, I don't know when people are listening to this, we're recording this on Friday night, it's posting Friday night. People are going to listen to it. I'm sure on the weekend, do you think we'll have a, 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 a uh, someone declares this Pennsylvania for Donald Trump by the, by the end of the weekend? I mean, they'll declare Pennsylvania. I mean, nothing's but, going to be final for weeks, right? Like, but, but, yeah. but that, but that's not unusual, and and I think that's what's lost on a lot of people is these counts are like the, 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 these of these these official tallies, you know, are, are usually not done for well over a week after election. So that's not new. Um, it's just what? the 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 uh, declaring a state for a particular candidate uh, days after the election. That's rather new. So what's happening? is that Trump campaign's leading up for, is gearing up for a legal battle. Right. The Biden campaign knows that. And they are anticipating, but what they're doing is they're allowing the votes to come in so the Trump campaign has no legal standing. Yeah. So that's why they're like, yeah, count all the votes mm-hmm. because we don't want you to, we didn't, we're not trying to tell them to stop the votes because we don't want you to say they're standing in the approach to letting all the votes that have, are um, postmarked prior to November 3rd, you know, we don't want you to give, we don't give you any leeway because that's still going to get thrown, that's going to get thrown out. And they, they're prepping for this. Yeah. And really Donald has no pathway here. Yeah. And Biden campaign knows that. You can tell the tenor of a campaign based on, you know, the actions of it, right? Biden campaign's like, it's cool. Yeah, just let the votes come in. Yeah. He's done the math. They both, yeah. both campaigns have done the math. Yeah. What was happening is Donald is drawing it out and I have my theories, personal theory. I have nothing to prove on this. I really think he's dragging it out, A, because he's a narcissist and he doesn't want to be a two-term president and reality, he doesn't live in reality. Two, he's trying to elongate this process because he's trying to pull out more money because he knows it's, it's, the show's over mm-hmm. and he's broke. Mm-hmm. And in his disclaimer, in asking for election uh, election preservation funds or whatever, um, 
it shows it says on the disclaimer very small light language some of these proceeds half these proceeds can be used to pay off campaign debts mm. <laughs> right yeah. and so yeah. it's a total grift right and so he knows the fight's over but he needs to keep trying to figure out how to generate this but the problem is and what's disgusting about it is he's sowing seeds of doubt in an election and in our in our most fundamental value of Amer of our American electorate yeah our voting and that's dangerous and what I I've always found him most disgusting is that Donald will light a flame cause an inferno and he doesn't give a shit who burns mm -hmm. and he'll walk away unscathed and he'd be like hey I never told it to I never told it to go burn down that shit I never told it to cause an inferno that's gonna burn down 50,000 acres yeah that wasn't my fault maybe you should have had better forest management right you know get a rake that's, yeah get a rake right that's his personality no. He that doesn't take responsibility for the damage he does he's done. And my fear is by instituting this rhetoric into and divisiveness in not only to our political system or into our into our political uh, mindset, but also into our electoral system, he's devaluing people's trust in the system. And long after he's gone that's going to have to be repaired. And I don't know yeah. if it gets repaired anytime soon and he doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's the most disgusting thing. He doesn't care. And, we, and I'm the And that's what I'm afraid about. And we hit here again with the single most influential politician of our lifetime. Uh, that's Kamara Williams. I'm Damian Barling. We appreciate you so much for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. Do all of that good stuff. Uh, we're probably going to get together again. Like, let's just call it what it is. We thought yeah. we were done last week. We're likely yeah. going to get together again uh, next week or in the very, very new future. We appreciate you so much for tuning in uh, here to the podcast with Amy Barling and Kamara Williams here on the Be Heard platform.